welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. And I'm curious if you read the same headline in your newsfeed that I saw this week. I'll just read it to you. It says, a bad technology experience is making employees quit you. <laughs> I mean, this article quotes a survey by Adobe that shows that compared to before the pandemic, there is a 10% jump in workers leaving their jobs because the technology that the company is providing them at their job is actually a barrier to their ability to do good work. And so they leave. Uh, that headline, I think, does a great job of introducing this episode of my podcast. Worker experience is an increasingly important topic. Business leaders are finally seeing the connection between a great employee experience and the company's ability to attract and retain top talent. And of course, once a company realizes the importance of worker experience, it seems like the next questions are fairly typical. How do I measure experience? I mean, what, what all is included in, in a worker's experience? And, and how do I translate a, a great experience to real value You know, at the bottom line of the company? You know, I'm going to share a fact with you. For 40 years in a row, Finland has been ranked as one of the happiest countries in the world. So it's probably not a surprise that within Finland, you will find a company named Happy Signals that is dedicated to worker experience. And that is why today I'm speaking with the CEO and founder of Happy Signals, Sami Kalio. Welcome to the podcast, Sami. Thank you, Maurice. That was a great introduction. <laughs> why is Finland at the center of understanding worker experience. I think, at, at least from my perspective, there is one dominating reason behind that. And that is not maybe kind of the, the happy reason, but uh, Nokia was really the leading, leading company of Finland. And, and we were all proud of it, but it kind of collapsed because bad experience in their product. So here in Finland, already like the 10 last years, the experience has been really focused on whatever you do. You can do business to business, you can do business to consumer or employee experience. There is no leader in Finland that would overlook experience anymore after the failure of Nokia, because kind of revealed that we all failed when that happened. So that is kind of the, has been a great place to start our company because we, everybody has been very, very willing to listen to what we have to say. Well, well let's talk about the start of your company. Uh, I mean, it was around five or six years ago, you, you founded Happy Signals. And if I understand correctly, it was all because one day as you were providing consulting services to another company about experience, you saw this big disconnect between what the leaders of the company perceived about their employees' work experience versus the day-to-day, -day, you know, how the day-to-day -day worker actually felt. So, I mean, can you tell me about that aha moment that caused you to form Happy Signals? During the time, like six years ago, I was running a company which was doing service design for different kinds of situations from consumer world to the business to business and then to employees. And when starting to do those projects, when we interviewed people, normal end users of, of enterprises, I really get to kind of understand that, hey, now these stories I'm hearing here, are nothing to do with the, how this company exactly is working. They are not really focused on, on the end user and how they feel about the service. So IT support service, for example. And, and when I did those first projects, there was maybe one moment that I still remembered the most. So I had about 10 different employees from that company in one room, and I wanted to understand their real experiences of IT. And there was one guy in that factory. He stood up 
and he had a screwdriver in his hand. And he said, this is a tool. He took a moment and then he pointed out his friend's laptop and said, that is a toy. <laughs> and he sat down. And there was an IT director of that company in that meeting, and he was just staring, neck red, and he was realizing that these are the real users, the real end users of their company. And it was an excellent meeting, three hours of going through these experiences. And, and that guy ended up to be one of the best inputters of the whole project because he just had to get that out of his mind that he hates IT. But then we started to talk about, it, okay, how we could make it easier for you. And that, that was kind of a really insightful. Also, after that, we, we added 10 different CIOs and, and IT directors to discuss that what they feel about end user experience, what they know about it. And, and during those discussions, I found out that very many said, yes, we are measuring end user experience when it comes to service desk area. Mm. And mm. most of them said that the average score is, is 3.8. And that was in scale one to five. Mm -hmm. and, and then I asked them, that, uh, what do you know about that number? It has always been the same, was the answer. <laughs> and it just took me too long to realize that that exactly was the number that was the target number with their outsourced services provider. Oh, of course. So kind of they were thinking that when we reach that level, everything should be okay. And now we come to the watermelon effect that many of the listeners might, might know already that you kind of feel that you are meeting the targets, the SLA targets, and you are having even the experience on 3.8 level uh, but still you have complaints from the end users. And that was the kind of the moments there, that one moment with that one guy just pointing out how far the thinking of IT to the reality was. And on the other hand, understanding that there really is a area where CIOs would need some, some support because really they only knew that one number. And even from that number, they tried to ask me, is that good or bad? So in fact, that number was just giving them false security. And, and nothing else. That's why we found it happy signals to help enterprises to really understand really what is the real experience of end users when it comes to whole IT and how they can change the way of working in their own organization to be creating more value to the end users. Well, I can imagine over the next six years, Sami, you've, you've really collected um, a treasure trove of lessons learned regarding experience. I think one thing that I noticed uh, in talking with you before is that is that you realize that there's a, an important difference between measuring experience for a specific service, such as you gave the example there of the 3.8 for the, the service desk call, mm -hmm. versus measuring the, the entire IT experience. So let, let's dig into that a little bit. Why is it so important that we measure and evaluate the entire IT experience? Now, if you only measure, let's say, service desk, which is the typical one that all companies are measuring, you're only measuring the experience of those people who have some kind of issues or problems. It's one kind of a touch point from IT to the end user. But now when people are working remotely, IT is almost equal to all the touch points you have with your whole organization. As you, as you said in the beginning, really important to understand the whole experience, what we are creating with the people from applications, the possibilities to work from home, and, and then the support services. But it's the whole experience of me as an IT user is the whole things what you provide to me as an end user, the laptop and the connections and, and all that, for example. And I guess that aligns with what we've been hearing about XLAs, this move from SLA, which measures a single service to an XLA, a whole experience. You know, a lot of business leaders are hearing about XLAs and go, oh, I need to come up with one. Um, how does Happy Signals help us 
on our journey to achieve an XLA? Kind of that is maybe the mistake typical people use now when they start to think about the XLAs. Um, because again, there are so many touch points and so many experiences we are creating to the end users that if you just select one, you might end up even, even that is the next experience of end users. If you only have one average number, you might end up in the same situation as we started this podcast from the 3.8 kind of thinking that, okay, now I'm reaching some target. What, what does it really mean? Are we really supporting the end users in all the areas where they need the support most? So for me, XLA is a thing that, yes, you should have those and you should set targets, but separately and mainly setting the, the improvement targets rather than one average target where we have to be. For me, the whole experience thinking is more like way of working than some number in the agreements. So if your thinking is just to replace the SLAs in agreement with XLAs, that's not enough, at least from my perspective, because then you might end up in the same kind of situation in a couple of years. Okay, yeah, now you're measuring experience, but the average doesn't tell you much. Mm -hmm. You have to think about what is your role in IT. So what are the most important kind of experience targets for you? Is it that your service is proactive, which is one of the parts of end-user-centric thinking? Or is it just that you help them in the most critical situations the fastest? Now, now, I know some naysayers might say that this discussion we're having here about happy workers is uh, a, a bit of a waste of time. I mean, I mean, what they really care about at the end of the day is the company's bottom line, making money. I mean, whereas it's true, a, a, you know, if a company's not making money, they'll disappear. So that is, that is the end goal there, of course. But what would you say, Sammy, to those who really don't see this connection between worker experience and their customer's experience? Yeah, I think that's... It was one of the things when, when founding this company, we think that that is one thing we want to want to prove. But happily, there already are organizations that has proved that there is a correlation between those. Uh, MetricNet, Jeffrey Rumberg is the one that I've been following the most in this area, that the surveys that he has done to prove it. Uh, I really truly believe that there is such a such a situation. And 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 typically when where we are helping enterprises in this area is that thinking about those roles in your organization that are customer-facing, for example. Maybe people working in a bank or people handling the applications of something from the, the consumers or the, the your customers. Uh, if you think about those roles and how and what is their experience in IT, if you make that easier, more efficient for them, yes, they are smiling more in front of your customer. Yes, they are able to focus on the things that they are trying to present to the customer or sell to them rather than struggling with your IT solutions. So I really believe there is a great, great connection between two. But now at the time of COVID, we are at home and everything related to our way of working is through IT. And, and in, in our customer base, there has been so many cases when the IT people say to us that, hey, now it feels that even the HR is more willing to cooperate with us because they have understood as well that the whole employee experience is behind IT. So it's more like a collaborator thing now than it was maybe maybe before because HR was owning the experience of employee engagement kind of stuff. And IT was kind of a thought that it's only kind of the one that is not delivering very good service. But, but now it's getting better from the IT side and HR is more willing to listen. And then there is more cooperation in this area because everybody has understood that, hey, we really have to take care of the end users. So for those that get it, that understand the importance of experience, they see that connection that, you know, making their employees happy 
means that you have happy customers and therefore there will be a, an impact of revenue. Um, they're probably interested in you know, lessons learned, especially around measuring experience properly. So are there some lessons learned you can share with us from your last six years in working in this area? I think the key thing there is that you really have to measure the feeling of the end user. Uh, this might sound simple, but think about the last five times you get a survey from any company and they kind of are saying that they are measuring your experience, but are they truly? Or are they just checking that they follow their processes? Mm. Because that is the typical mistake you do, that you try to kind of measure, did we do this and this when we were serving you? But does that have anything to do with my experience? So you really have to ask the end users what made them happy. And what we did in our company, we interviewed 500 end users in the beginning before doing any surveys, just to understand what they hated and what they loved in the services they received. And then we started to do the surveys and really asking those points that, okay, you were unhappy, but was that because of these reasons and letting them easily select, okay, it was the attitude of the agent. It was the speed of service. I did have to explain my case several times. So kind of asking exactly those points that you know that somebody has been complaining or thanking you about. And that is one very, very important skill because then as an end user or a customer, when you're reading those surveys, you quite fast understand that now they really are interesting about my experience, not their own process. Because there have been so many bad and bad and done surveys in the experience area that people start to be very, very picky. Are they going to answer it or not? And we have learned that it's really, really about do they feel that you appreciate their opinion or not? I can relate to that. I think about surveys that I felt really compelled to respond to and those that I feel like, oh, this is just such a waste of time. I didn't really understand why I liked some surveys and didn't others, but you've hit, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If I feel that the survey is going to be used, you know, to do something to improve the service, as opposed to just give a rating to the person that I work with on the phone last, that that's a big difference for me. Yeah. Yeah. The one of the questions we kind of typically hear a bit criticalism from IT people and a lot of thanks from the end users is that we are asking when you have an IT incident, for example, IT problem. After that, we are asking in the survey that how much time did you lose because of this problem? IT people are typically thinking, ah, that is too complicated. But normal people are thinking that, hey, finally, IT is interested in my efficiency, not only their own. So they are really willing to answer that question, even though, of course, it's not fact. It is just how they felt. But they like to answer the question rather than, okay, it's too complicated, I don't know. And that's just showing them that now IT has a different kind of approach to the whole service. I think that is the secret sauce. What you just described there, the fact that as part of the survey, you're collecting how much time was lost. That's a great data point, right? If you can collect that and over time analyze that, what is causing the most pain? You know, even giving that back to the business and saying, well, look here, this IT problem is costing your workers, you know, 6.2 hours a week, a month, whatever it is. And now if we make this change, we should see that drop. And then you've got data where you should be able to see that disappear. I mean, that really connects back to the bottom line in my mind. As I said, we are not telling our customers that one estimate is, is exactly right. But let's say you have hundreds or thousands of them about different solutions. So you support it, different applications, for example. Then okay, if there is a problem with this application, people are losing six hours per incident. 
And if the problem is that application, it's only one hour. It also shows you what are the business critical applications. So where you really have to make sure there is no mistakes and where you support end users the, the fastest. Because some applications are not so critical for your end users than some. The other thing that I've noticed that, that you're doing at Happy Signals regarding experience is to categorize workers based on surveys that you perform with people to find out um, their, I'll say, aptitude to how they want to consume support and IT services. And then you put them into four profiles, the supported profile, the doer profile, trier, and prioritizer. I think our, our listeners will find themselves fitting into one of these buckets. The supported person does not want to read instructions and is not at all comfortable with computers. Basically, take care of my problem, make it go away, don't bother me. Uh, as opposed to the doer is a person that first tries to solve the problem, him or herself, by using self-help tools, maybe Google even, things like that, YouTube, and even offers to help other colleagues. And I'm just curious as to once a company goes through this process with you to categorize workers into these profiles, how do then do they best take advantage of it once they know that they've got their workers in one of these four profiles? Yeah, maybe I, I give you two examples on, on this one. So when you are getting a phone call in a service desk, if you know these kind of things beforehand, you know that this guy who is now calling is a doer. Please don't ask them, did you put your computer? They have done that. They have Googled. They have asked colleagues and so on before they conducting the official help. So they feel very like... Oh, why did I even call you guys? These doers will start the phone call with service test that, hey, I have no issue with, with uh, Salesforce. Who is the expert? Please contact me to him. So they are not going to even explain their case if they are not talking to expert. The other profile used is supported profiles. They have not done anything to get the solution done. And now during COVID time, there are even more of these supported profiles that there was before. The other example here is that there are two of these profiles. It is a trier and a doer who are willing to use self-healing tools. Mm -hmm. So they typically try to solve. Even the trier is not technical, but they still try. They want to learn. So they are the ones using portals, for example, where you can maybe resolve some things on your own. But if you have a lot of these other profiles, prioritizer and support it, don't spend your money for portal. They will not use it anyway. They will anyway find a channel that is efficient for them. What I'm hearing, Sammy, is the IT organization can decide what technologies to use, whether to use a portal, self-help, intelligent virtual agents, and even how an intelligent virtual agent is going to be used. Maybe ask questions or not ask questions or skip over steps yeah. based on, on the profile. Do you see that as well? Yeah, that is something that we are believing will be happening more and more in the, in the future. Depending on the profile of the end user, it is better to take them in directly to the phone or give them a script to run. We as people are so different from each other. You shouldn't expect everybody to be happy with the same kind of service. And I know that there's a lot to ask, but that is how we make the, the end users really, really happy. Yeah, there's been a lot of work done you know, with personas, and that means a lot of different things to different people. But I think um, there's probably been a mistake in thinking how they categorize users by role only, it, meaning, okay, I've got a salesperson, they're on the road, we'll call it a road warrior, and therefore their experience is going to be this. I mean, we're going to give them a, a mobile device, right? A tablet or a laptop, and we know that they're going to consume ex their support most of the time away from the office. They, they're going to be hard for them to have in-person hand-holding 
you've got to have great remote support. Those things are all true. However, that individual salesperson can still fit into one of these four profiles. It's almost like a matrix. And we need to take both of those things into account. And maybe we've only been doing one in the past. Sometimes you, you really notice that these are also linked. Like let's take uh, doctors. These guys are typically profiling themselves as, as prioritizers. Mm. Even though they would have the technical skill to solve the problem, they don't have the time. So sometimes you, when you combine these two, you start to really learn, okay, this is what we have in that role in the company. Now, Sammy, I'm thinking, you know, over the last six years with your company and measuring experience, uh, you've probably got a lot of data. <laughs> so I'm wondering, is it is it possible for a company working with you to maybe benchmark or compare themselves with others in terms of how they're doing with providing great experience to their employees? Yeah, it is. That is possible in our product, but we also do a happiness score report every quarter. And that is a report where we also keep free for the whole service desk or IT industry so that you can learn from, from the end users that how they feel. And you can find that from our webpage. We also do a podcast around that every, every quarter. But those days of the quarter when I'm able to focus on that one, I love them because I get thousands of responses from different users globally and then start to learn from that. How has the experience changed, let's say in remote working? And during the one year now, it totally has changed. So what we are happy and what we are not happy with, it has changed during the year so heavily. Also, country. But we have learned that some countries it are much more critical than some others. Like here in Europe, Eastern Europe is much more happy with IT services than Western Europe. Interesting. You guys in, in US are in about same level than Western Europe when it comes to typical happiness towards IT. Well, let's uh, let's look ahead to the future a bit here. You know, we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, many enterprises are talking about a hybrid office. Um, and as they think about implementing that, I'm, I guess my question for you is, what can these enterprises that are, are looking ahead, what can they be doing right now so that they're going to provide a great employee experience as they implement these hybrid offices? One data point about this is that now when during the last year, we have been measuring also the remote working and why people are happy about it or why they hate it has been changing very rapidly during the year. But the thing in the last three months, if we are looking at those people who rated that they are okay with the remote working, there are about 15 times as many people saying that the remote working is efficient than there is people saying it's inefficient. And this is from 200,000 responses from end users. So the thing is that now when it comes possibility to go back to the office, people are really willing partly to work from home as well. So you really have to think about this in a way that you have to make it tempting to go to the office rather than if you start to force people to go back to the office every day, you will lose people. And that's something I'm quite sure about when looking at the data. Some organizations are thinking that they will just make some days at the office, days that you want people to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think we are planning to do that in, in our company as well. So we are asking people to join every Tuesday and Friday to the office whenever that is possible to make sure that that kind of a free discussions are, are done and you kind of develop the company faster than only having meeting, 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 which is the typical situation now. So I don't really have kind of exact answer how to really do that to make people efficient after this, but it's a thing that we are learning from the feedback from the end users all the time. 
Well, Sammy, it has just been great talking with you today. I, on behalf of my listeners, I really want to thank you for uh, giving me some time today. Thank you. Oops. Uh, something just popped up from uh, on my PC here. Oh, looks like it's a survey from Happy Signals. How do you rate your experience in working on this podcast with Sammy Calio on a scale of one to 10? I'll have to give it an 11, Sammy. So thanks again for your time. <laughs> Thank you, Maurice. But that would be scary if I would be able to do that to your computer. <laughs> You've been listening to Sammy Calio, CEO and founder of Happy Signals, a company dedicated to making worker experience data visible, understandable, and connected to IT operations. And I invite you to visit their website. There are some great resources there. For example, I was looking through the practical guide to XLAs. There are some great gems in that document, as well as Sammy's podcasts, where he digs into happiness and interviewing various clients. I invite you to visit their website. I'll be sharing a link in the episode summary. You've been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening. Thank you.